Welcome back, Grace Hill. I hope for those of you who are able to join the breakouts on Zoom that it was encouraging just to be able to see one another. And so we're just really grateful to have you on this morning. As we just continue our time of worship, I just want to introduce the Hubbard family who is going to share with us a scripture reading and pray for us as we begin to sit under the preached word of God. Hear the Hubbards. Good morning, Grace Hill. I'm Karan. I'm Latravia. I'm Elena. And what's your name? This is Reagan. <laughs> and we're the Hubbard family. And, we'll be, and we're going to be doing the scripture reading for this morning, coming from Luke chapter 8, verses 16 through 18. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has more will be given, and from the one who has not, even, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. And we will now say a God, thank you so much for allowing us to gather today. Thank you for Grace Hill. Thank you for this virtual space and just allowing us to be in your presence this morning. We pray that the message being delivered um, is spoken into the hearts and uh, are here to receive it. And we ask that you just continue to watch over all of our families and continue to bless and grow Grace Hill. And we thank you and love you so, so much. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. Well, we miss you, Grace Hill. Have a great Bye. day. Bye. 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 <laughs>
I, I got to speak with some of you, some for the first time ever. In person, we got to see each other. We were masked up and, and distanced and all that. But we had this amazing time. Lindsay Winters, you did an amazing job of setting up a scavenger hunt. If you were anywhere around Herndon yesterday, you would have been potentially fearing for your life because my family was part of this scavenger hunt and we had to go around and, and we had about 30 things that we were supposed to take pictures of within about an hour. So my family is driving around like crazy with our phones out. Our kids have a phone and we're my, Stacy's driving and I have a phone and we're just trying to take all these pictures because we're super competitive and we really wanted to win. And by the grace of God, we didn't seriously injure someone while we were trying to find a bike with a basket on it. And you should have seen us. It was, it was crazy. But the coolest part was this. We just got to see one another. And so, Lindsay, I'm just really thankful for the hard work you put in for that, for a chance for the church to be together just for a little bit. So many people are just like, it's just so good to see one another. And it really was. So we're really grateful for all you did for that, Lindsay, for serving us in that way. All right. We've been working through the book of Luke the past few weeks. And I just want to kind of, you know, it's a cold morning. Let's get the engine started a little bit. And so what we want to do is just, hey, who is Luke? What's this book about? Well, over the past few weeks, we've been hearing this account from Luke. Luke's a co-worker with Paul, the Apostle Paul, but he's also a doctor. And Luke even writes in the very beginning of the book why he is doing this account. And he's saying he knows that there's other accounts of Jesus's life. But he says, I wanted to come along and give an orderly account. And I wanted to give this account because I wanted to talk about the things of God that had been fulfilled through Jesus's life. And see, Luke is trying to tell you and me this morning, as we're just getting ready to hear the word together, that Jesus is more than simply history. But that Jesus is the actual fulfillment of the promises of God. And that Jesus is God's plan to heal humanity from sin. And so this book is set up to really just show us who Jesus is, what his mission is about, and how he's going to accomplish that mission for his kingdom to come. And so Luke wants his readers to know how Jesus is doing these things. And so we see that his mission is this. In the very beginning of Luke, you read that Jesus steps into this temple. And this is the start of his ministry. And Jesus opens up this scroll. Think back to those times they had these scrolls where things were written down on. And Jesus opens up this scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And he reads this. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And remember, the poor here that we think of isn't just the economically disadvantaged. The best translation for this includes as well as those who are disillusioned. Those who are in circumstances of oppression. That word is translated to cover all of those things. And Jesus is saying, man, I'm come to give those people who are disillusioned, who are oppressed, who are poor in every kind of way. I'm come to give them good news. Because he knows that they are in need of his help. So Jesus is coming after the spiritually, physically, and mentally broken people. He's aiming at their hearts so they would become spiritually well again. They are dead and he wants to bring them back to life. But he's coming after the marginalized of society. 
And man, what good news that is that these marginalized, these people who have no voice, nobody for them, they now have a champion and that champion is Jesus. And Luke wants us to, to hear this and to remember this and to keep that in view, even today in the text that we're going to be into. And so Jesus continues to say, here's my mission to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. There's so much there. But basically, Luke is just trying to help us see how Jesus is going to go about fulfilling this mission to share that good news. This freedom for the poor by healing diseases, hearing those who are paralyzed, welcoming in not so easy to love people like a tax collector and certainly the outcasts who are prostitutes and all manner of different immorality. They have a hope. And what we see is that Jesus is transforming their lives. See, Jesus' mission is to form a people for his kingdom, to become disciples of his. And so for these past few weeks, we've been diving into many different accounts of how Jesus is literally changing the world. And so Jesus, as Luke is showing us through this, he's on his way to to do the most extraordinary thing, to show in the most extraordinary way that he is the promise of God, that he is the Messiah, that he is the king, that he's going to fulfill his place as Messiah, the Christ. But he's going to do it in the most shocking and unforeseen way. But we're not there yet. And so today we pick up in this incredible account from Dr. Luke, And we find ourselves looking at Jesus, who's in the midst of a time where he's become unbelievably popular. But it's not for reasons he's good with. You see, Jesus is becoming really sought after in this text in Luke chapter 8. He's become really, really popular. But it's not because he's preaching the gospel. It's not because he's telling people, repent, believe. No, instead... The multitudes of people that are coming to see Jesus and the buzz about this Jesus guy is is primarily because he's been performing signs and wonders. People are like, yo, what is up with this guy? Yeah, he says some crazy things, but do you see what he does? And so in today's world, we would go, man, he's one of the most original viral sensations, right? And I would just imagine for you and me that This would probably look like someone who has an Instagram and YouTube account that would be popular than people like Justin Bieber. But let's read our text together. Let's look at what Jesus has to say in this account. And and remember, 30,000 foot view to remember that Jesus is on a mission here. And so this story fits in with the mission that he has come to accomplish. Let's read together verses 1 through 21 in this account of Luke about Jesus. So follow with me. You can follow on the screen if you don't have a a Bible. Luke chapter 8, verse 1. Soon afterward, he, Jesus, went on through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. Johanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. And when a great crowd was gathering and the people from the town came, out, came out to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed his seed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. 
And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up, and it choked it. And some fell into the good soil, and grew, and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he, Jesus, called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, Jesus said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard, and then the devil comes along and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but they have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of testing, they fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but they go on their way. But as they go on their way, they are choked out by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and the fruit does not mature. As for that and the good soil, they are those who, in hearing the word, hold fast and an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it out on a stand so that those who enter may see the light, for nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, not even what he thinks that he has, will be taken away. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but could not reach him because of the crowd, and was told, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But Jesus answered them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Let me pray. God, I just, I just pray that as we have just read through this, these 21 verses of, of Luke's account of your son Jesus' life, I pray, God, that you would help us to heed the warnings that we see and hear. God, I pray for each of us, myself included, as we sit under your word, as we seek to understand what you have for us today in your word, God, that you would soften our hearts, Lord, even as we've been reading about these soils, and Lord, we'll dive into why you said these things. God, I pray, I beg you that you would just help us to take care how we hear. God, I pray for the brothers and sisters who are watching, wherever they are watching, and for those who are going to just listen to this message. God, I pray that you would reveal to each of us the condition of our own heart before you this very day. Holy Spirit, encourage us. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. We pray this in the precious and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Let's walk through the text together this morning. Hope you're cozy, you got your coffee, you're ready to do this. We're going to find that Jesus is telling us that we need to face a problem. And this problem is a hearing problem. I don't mean the one that is remedied by hearing aids. I'm saying this text that we've just read through is saying something far worse than that. I believe Jesus is warning us that we can listen without hearing. 
Let's dive in. Let's look at the first three verses together. These are the women with Jesus. It's a count. You can see it on your screen. Soon afterwards, he went on through the cities and the villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom and the twelve were with him. And then Luke walks through the next couple of verses and he says, all of these women that are with him. What's significant about this for us this morning? Why, why is this in the account that Luke says? Jesus is rolling with a group of 12 people all the time. We know them as the disciples. But Jesus also has this other kind of entourage that comes with him. And, and, and Luke is sharing that there's other people a part of Jesus's ministry. Jesus is on this kind of preaching tour, if you will. He's going all throughout Israel, proclaiming the kingdom of God. And so he's rolling around to all of these different places and he has people with him. And Luke wants us to know that it's important for us to know that women were with Jesus. And they were tight within the inner circle of Jesus and the 12. And why is that significant? Why is Luke highlighting this account for us? It's significant because if we were to take ourselves from 2021 and place us back into the first century, what we would recognize culturally, a norm would be that teachers like Jesus was at the time, he was called rabbi. These rabbis did not typically associate with women, much less teach women anything about theology. But Luke is showing us that Jesus pays special attention to women. And it's against the prevailing cultural norms of his time. In fact, not only does he teach them, which was culturally abnormal, he also is actually healing them. He is transforming their lives. He's healed many of them physically. He's also healed some spiritually with exercising demons from them. And so Luke wants to show us, and he highlights very quickly, that these women were indispensable parts of Jesus' ministry and that they supported him and his disciples through their own means. Many believe it was financial. There were some, you can tell they were associated with Herod. Some think that they were very wealthy people. But whether they were wealthy or not, these women gave of all of their means to the ministry of Jesus Christ. Those women who followed and loved Jesus did so to the very end. And what an amazing thing that the very first people to see the resurrected Christ was who? Women. I love what one Bible scholar noted about this. The faithfulness of these worthy women is an example for every disciple. They gave their whole lives to Jesus. What an example. And I love that Luke highlights that for us. So let's look at verses four, three. We'll take this next section, the actual parable that Jesus is giving to us. And let's, let's try to like unpack what we need to see here, right? Verses four says, starts off with this. And it says, and when a great crowd was gathering and the people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, I mean, what we see right away is that huge crowds have come out to see Jesus. In a similar account of Mark talking about the same event, Mark says this, Mark chapter one, Oh, sorry, Mark chapter four, verse one says this. You don't need to turn there. But about this same account, he says, again, he, Jesus, began to teach beside the sea and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. So again, tons of people are coming to check out Jesus. And so then he goes into this parable in verses five through eight. Jesus is speaking to those who have gathered there on the shoreline. Kind of picture it for yourself, right? Picture all this, this huge crowd, people 
crowding the mountains of the shore. And Jesus, there's so many that keep coming and packing in town after town. It says coming in. And Jesus has to get on a boat to be able to address these people. And it's interesting. What is Jesus going to say to all of these people? He's going to give them a parable. Jesus is speaking to these crowds in a way that they would understand. He shares a parable. And what's a parable? A parable is just simply a really um, easy way to illustrate an actual truth. So in fact, from this point forward, Jesus in his ministry, he shared a little bit about parables, but from that time moving forward, he almost solely speaks to people through parables. It's really kind of the only way he begins to communicate from this point forward. And as simple as these parables appear, they were not easily understood as we see today. But being an agrarian society, knowing the people and what they are a part of, he shares a story around a practice every single one of them would have immediately been aware of. It would have been so common that they can immediately picture the story that Jesus is painting through this parable. And then Jesus says something. He says, he who has ears, let them hear. That's interesting. If you have ears, you can hear, right? I think this is the beginning where we see Jesus is warning us that we can hear without listening. So let's look at verses 9 through 15, and this is where we actually interpret, Jesus interprets for the disciples what this parable means. And we're going to spend our time really unpacking this together. The disciples ask Jesus in verses 9 through 15, they say, what does this parable mean? Some scholars note that this must not be with the crowd anymore, that some, the crowd are dispersed, and then the disciples are coming to him in private and going, hey, what did that mean? And Jesus tells him through this parable that what seems simple has incredible implication here. In fact, Jesus is saying, just as much as this, this, this parable is meant to reveal truth about God, reveal about Jesus's mission, it's just as much functioning to conceal God's mission to those around him as well. All these people are showing up to see Jesus. And Jesus knows this. And Jesus is going, I want to be able to speak in a way that the people who are here, I want to go, are you really here to listen to me? Are you really listening? So people, he knew people were following him for all kinds of reasons. And so Jesus is spending time here going, listen, I want to come after your heart. So the soils that Jesus is walking us through in this parable are to be understood as types of hearts. So the soil is a, is, a, is a type of heart. The seed of the word of God, Jesus says, is, is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. Truth and revealing knowledge about Jesus for salvation. And as I said, the soils represent the, the, the kind of heart that we have. And so the first heart we see is one that is a hard heart. What, what, is, what do we need to understand about this? What's significant about this? Well, the first thing we see is it's a seed that gets stolen from the devil. For such people, a hearing starts to happen. Jesus is saying, hey, I understand you can hear, but nothing seems to happen. And what Jesus is telling you and me is to remember that when the gospel goes forth, a battle ensues, a spiritual battle. J.C. Ryle says, nowhere is Satan more active than when a church is preaching the gospel. So even now in this very moment, a cosmic battle is occurring for the souls of mankind. Maybe for your soul right now as you hear. And Jesus is saying, this is legit. 
The devil is coming and he wants, there's other places, he's roaming around seeking to devour someone. Raoul goes on to say, nowhere does Satan labor so hard to stop the progress of that which is good, the truth of God going out and to prevent men and women from being saved. From him come wandering thoughts and roving imaginations. Listless minds and dull memories, sleepy eyes, fidgety nerves, weary ears and distracted attentions. And all these things, Satan has a great hand. People wonder where they come from and they marvel at how they can find a sermon so dull and remember them so badly. They forget the parable of the sower. They forget the devil. Do you know someone who has heard the truth of God but is still hardened and embittered at the thought of God? Just even the idea of God irritates them. Do you know someone who seemingly has no desire at all for God? They are about as warm as ice towards God. This is the soil. This is the hardened pathway that Jesus is talking about. There's no ability for a seed to take root. It gets eaten up and trampled on. It gets destroyed. The second heart that Jesus walks us through is what we'll call a shallow heart. This soil represents a shallowness in the heart. One who would receive the word of God and they are excited about it. It seems they take it and and they have joy in their life. They're excited. But in reality, this is the type of heart where that joy and that excitement, that enthusiasm doesn't last because the seed, the word of God actually has never really taken root at all. Instead, something very difficult happens. See, I knew a friend who began to believe in Jesus. This person had really struggled in life and they heard about Jesus and they decided, I am going to put my faith and trust in Jesus. I'm in, I'm in. And they really dove into their faith. They were in a Bible study with me. They were spending time together. They're asking questions. Their life changed even in some ways for a little bit. But after a while, this friend of mine ended up drifting back to the life that they had once been seeking relief from, where they'd been really banged up. And yet they started to go right back to that lifestyle again and It wasn't simply the struggle of faith anymore for this friend, unfortunately. Instead, this was a growing indifference towards God. The enthusiasm was gone. There were some hard things that they didn't want to do. And in fact, they went back to, as far as I know, where they once started before they ever professed faith in Jesus. The commitment to Jesus that he's referring to here with this kind of shallow heart isn't really a faith at all. A hardship comes, it tests the faith, and the faith dies. So Jesus is also telling us hardships are real tests of our faith. The third heart is a distracted heart. Jesus is walking through and he's using this idea of planting and gardening. And I know nothing about planting and gardening. However, I do know this. Weeds and thorns grow way faster than the good stuff. That's about all I got with this. But I found out the hard way that this truth occurs. In my yard, I ended up with some nasty poisonous weeds. I didn't even know they were weeds. I was cutting my grass. I was doing stuff. And all of a sudden I see all these things kind of look pretty at one 
point. I was like, oh, what the? And all of a sudden, I started seeing it all over. What I found out was these were some nasty poisonous weeds that were gnarly. They had like thorns and things as I was trying to cut it off. Stuff was flying everywhere. I had blood. I was like, hey, you shouldn't have read something. You should never touch these things. And what I realized is as I started to cut these things off, I was like, great, I got rid of them. I even poured some of the bad stuff that you're supposed to pour on weeds to kill it. And guess what? That didn't do it. They came back with a vengeance. And it was really frustrating. But Jesus is saying this is the type of soil. This is the kind of distracted heart. The distracted heart is, is, is affected by the same thing. This is a heart that it gets preoccupied. It gets choked out by the cares of the world. The good and bad cares of the world choke it out. The desire for pleasure, for example, is endless for you and me. Our hearts crave it. And the opportunities to indulge our appetites are endless. They abound in every possible way for us. Like vegging out on just the internet, posting on social media or scrolling through. Oh my gosh, that was me. I had to stop. I haven't been on for a while because I found myself just so preoccupied with it. Again, not always bad. We turn on the TV, have fun with our friends, escape. But man, in that escape, are we forgetting and losing sight of the needs of those around us? Are we escaping instead of running to the word of God even? Some of these are good things that we can do, but even these good things can begin to suffocate our faith and they can become so overgrown in our hearts that just like weeds, they choke out the little bit of good fruit that might be being born in our lives because we are so preoccupied. And Jesus is saying this kind of fruit that doesn't mature doesn't have much use for the kingdom. And then we move to the fourth. A receptive heart, the good heart, the good soil. This heart ends up having the word of God root deep. And it roots so deep within that it can withstand the hardships that the previous seeds and hearts could not. It withstands the challenges, but it doesn't merely withstand these hardships, but it in turn bears fruit with patience. This is the heart that's been softened by the grace of God. This is the heart that desires the grace of God to abound and to grow in the knowledge and truth of God. This is the kind of heart that Paul is talking about that bears the fruits of the spirit, love, kindness, gentleness, self-control. And so we walk through that text. We kind of understand Jesus has interpreted it for us. And now we come to the question of, so, so what, do, what do we do with this parable? And I mentioned a problem that Jesus confronted us towards the beginning. I said the problem is we can listen without hearing. But where am I getting this problem from? Luke adds a little mini parable to the end of this parable that we just went through. So let's keep reading in verses 16 through 18. It should be on the screen. No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Look at verse 18. 
Take care then how you hear. The call in this section of text surprised me. Jesus isn't just focusing on the word of God as much as he is pressing you and me and his disciples to listen well. And this surprised me a bit, really, honestly. But then I just kept thinking about it more and more. And I was like, what? Of all the things Jesus could have said after this about the heart conditions that we have, take care then how you hear. Let him who has ears hear. Jesus is undeniably aiming at having us to listen well. But then I realized, man, okay, it does make some sense. And maybe you guys are a little bit faster than me and you came to that conclusion way quicker than I did. But listening is actually intended to produce action, isn't it? I mean, if we just look around the world, we know that even just commercials themselves, you're sitting around a TV maybe even today and you'll watch a football game, you'll watch a show, you'll do anything. You'll, you'll, you'll watch YouTube and you'll listen to someone or talk or sing or something. And what happens? We have commercials that we listen to as well. Certainly we see them. But their sole aim is to get us to do something. They're not spending millions of dollars so we just merely listen. No, they're aiming at us to be able to do something with it. And so God's word is designed for us. This is what Jesus is aiming at. God's word is designed for us to be more than just even a routine listening to some monologue or even this sermon today. It's meant to be more than just routine for us. In one way it's routine, but I mean routine in the sense where it can just become, hmm, I could take or leave it. The entire purpose of the word of God being heard is so it informs what we should then It's pretty simple. See, what I think Jesus is saying in this is God's word, the very word of God, Jesus himself, the word of God incarnate, but also the word of God that goes out, the gospel you preach. God's word demands a choice to either do what it says or not to do what it says. And so the parable of the sower in these soils focuses on on the heart that hears and does the word of God. God. Luke's giving this account of Jesus on his way to, to show and fulfill his mission, to show what his mission is and to fulfill it. Jesus is showing that, that the, the word, the world, the seed, the parable in the word of God is that Jesus' whole point is to bring himself to the people around him. So this seed, the word of God, the lamp parable affirms this, that followers of Jesus are these lamps. Verses 16 through 18 is telling us that the purpose of these lamps that have the word of God, that hear it and that receive it are to be what? Just like lamps. Lamps, what? Not to be hidden or put under a bed. The whole point for them is to shine out, to illuminate. And its purpose is not simply just to be seen, but to be seen and then to be called to do something And so Jesus is saying, listen carefully so that you can do what it is that God desires for you to do. Spread this light, spread the gospel. The light is Jesus. And to do this, Jesus is saying and warning, it means it's dependent on you hearing correctly. So then we can do correctly. 
But how can we take steps to hear better? Like what, 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 what is a practical thing that we can do? Like, Hey Evan, that's great, man. So, so what, what kind of, what, what, what advice would Jesus give us? I don't personally know. Jesus didn't tell me exactly what advice to give you and me today. But I do think that these are some things that we should strongly consider. I think this is the action that Jesus is intending for us to take as we read this account this morning. The first thing I want to encourage us to do is to reflect on the types of soil we read about. Which soil most represents your heart condition today? Are you one that is receptive and open? Are you overwhelmed by the hardships of life? So much so that if you're honest, you don't see God as good right now? Are you finding yourself bored at the very moment? Uninterested, disengaged, could take or leave the word of God. Eh. Are you stuck in a sin right now? But not stuck in the, in the way that I, I just need, need to get out, but stuck in a way that you're going, I'm not going to consider stopping what I'm doing right now. I love it too much. Friend, I think the sobering truth for you and me as we read these types of soil for us is is sobering in one sense. But the good news is this. Wherever you find your heart this morning, if you're really honest and you're really reflective of where, if, if Jesus is just putting the spotlight there right now, if you're feeling uncomfortable right now, let the Holy Spirit listen, heed, take stock of that. The good news for you and me is that the gospel is for us today. That, that, that no matter where our hearts are today, it's the work of God to actually soften them. Ask God to do that. Beg him to soften your heart if you find yourself in any of these places. This parable isn't meant to depict inevitability. I genuinely believe that this parable is meant to show predictability. It's not determined that a heart can't be softened towards God. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying, that you're either one of these and that's you forever. No, I don't believe that because I I think what Jesus is saying that, listen, the call is to follow me and obey me. Take up your cross daily. And I'm thankful for that because that's good news. That means every day we need the gospel. Every day we need to repent and pray that God would encourage us by and through his gospel. Jesus is after our hearts. He's after your heart. He's addressing responses that each of us will have throughout our lives. What we do matters, Christian. What we do matters. And so we pray that our hearts would be receptive to the hearing of God for salvation. And we pray that our hearts would be receptive to that so that we would respond to what we've actually heard, what we've actually been listening to. Grace Hill, what we have heard from Jesus is that the response to his teaching is critical. 
I'm not trying to be hyperbolic here. I believe that Jesus is saying this. He, he says it. He who has ears, let him hear. I mean, the interpreters of this are saying, I mean, he would, he would have been, he would almost be yelling to make sure that you're clear. Listen to me. Hear me. Because he knows there are those of us who do not hear him, though we hear him. Jesus is saying that our response will actually uncover and expose where our hearts really are. I do want to close with some practical advice for us, specifically for this time right now, for sitting under the preached word of God, listening to a sermon. I want to help us to take care then how we hear when the word of God is preached here at Grace Hill. Because at Grace Hill, we believe that the scriptures are the very words of God. That they are profitable for teaching and rebuking. And that in them and them alone are the words of life. We will leave that. And there are many ways to listen, but I just want to focus here on this specific spot of the sermon because we just spend a lot of time doing that together listening to the word of god so here's just i've got a a couple things there's just four things practical advice that i want to encourage and exhort you to try here's the first one to take care then how you hear when you listen to a sermon here at grace hill trust that god is really speaking trust that god is really speaking God uses the preached word. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 1, 23-25 that people came to faith in Jesus because the word was preached to you, to them at that time. And the Thessalonians came to Christ through the preached word of God. And Acts, Paul thanks God for, the hearing, for them hearing about uh, Jesus, but not being accepted as the word of God from men, but being accepted as the very words of God himself. See, the role of preacher or preaching isn't important because of the preacher. There's nothing about me that's inherently good or inherently authoritative at all. But the the role of preaching and preacher is important because they are to be speaking the very words of God, which is important. So take care then how you hear. Trust that it's actually God speaking to you this morning and to me. Trust that God is going to speak through these sermons to help aim our hearts at God and what he's called us to do. The second thing is this, trust God more than yourself. It's tough for me. That one's got some teeth in it for me because, man, I I have a hard time doing that sometimes. See, the reason I say this is, Trust God more than yourself when you're listening and to take care of how you're hearing is because we don't come to anything like a sermon or anything in life in, in, in neutral as if we're some blank canvas that's just listening to something for the first time. No, that's not any of us. We have thoughts and we have experiences. We have encounters and that have shaped our understanding of how we listen to things, how we perceive things. But a lot of our thoughts and experiences have been shaped by the culture we live in. That's just reality. That's not in and of itself all bad or, or not. It's just a fact. Or the families we've grown up in, these things. So what we need to trust God more than ourselves is to admit that we need the word of God to actually reorient our minds and our hearts. 
The gospel is going to offend you and me. It's going to do that. It will offend us. Not once, but over and over and over and over again. 2 Timothy 4.3, Paul is warning Timothy that there are going to be people. And it's on the screen. And boy, is this good for us to see today in our culture. Paul warns Timothy that the people will not endure or put up with sound doctrine. Instead, what does he say? No, they will seek out people who will suit their own desires. They will gather around them a great number of other people, teachers, they say, to hear what their itching ears want to hear. Man, don't move past that real quick and assume that's not you or me. And sit with that for a few moments. Trusting God more than ourselves means that we are going to hear things that press into us in the most deep ways. And a lot of times you and I are not going to want to change. That is true for me. Remember, our nature, our nature, our sin nature is to rebel. Trust God more than yourself. The third thing is, make sure that what's being preached is the word of God. Listen to what's being preached here at Grace Hill. Listen to it. Listen critically to it. I know that's what you're doing right now, but remember, Jesus isn't saying listening is just passive. Jesus is saying, hey, do something with it. And part of that is going, hey, where, where did Evan get any of this from? Where did Alan or Nick or, any, or anyone who takes the pulpit here and preaches, where did they get that from? Is it from the word of God? Hold the preaching of the word of God, the preachers of the word of God accountable to preach what the word of God says. We should be able to come to this and say, this is what we see. This is where we get that from. The preaching, the office of preaching isn't an op-ed. And so the last thing I want to do and just encourage you, the fourth thing is, and this is what we get from Jesus. Say, do what the Bible says. Every sermon calls us to respond by turning to God. Every sermon calls us to do the same thing. Turn to God. Turn back to God. Repent again. Ask God for forgiveness. Go back to God. Every one of them. So respond today. Don't wait. Remember the parable. There's, the devil knows what you're hearing right now. And he is saying, the devil's telling you right now, you can wait till tomorrow to make that change. You can wait till tomorrow to confess that sin. You can wait till tomorrow to change your attitude. And guess what? The moment that happens, it's gone. Don't wait until tomorrow. If you're moved by the Spirit of God, respond. Do what the Bible says to do. Trust God more than yourself. And turn away from your sin today. Today, that's not bad news for you. It is the best news for you. Don't wait. If you are in sin today, don't wait. Jesus wants to give you that heart that is good and soft and receptive to him to find true life and joy, even in the midst of some of the hardships of life. Don't wait. Share with a trusted brother or sister today or one of the pastors here. Share with us. Do what the Bible says because the sermon hopefully shows you an area in your life that needs change or needs attention. Maybe that's your attitude. Maybe it's the words you speak. Maybe it's the actions that you're doing. They need to potentially change. So those are the four things that I would encourage you to do to take care how you listen. Trust that God's really speaking.
Trust God more than yourself. Make sure what's preached is the word of God. And then do what the Bible says. I just want to close with this. Jesus has shown us today that there's many types of responses to his word. And those responses are based on our hearts, the condition of our hearts. Okay, so take care how you listen because the decision to trust God or not to trust God is the one that we're faced with. Every time we open the word of God, either alone or in the gathering of the church together, a decision is being required. The psalmist implores us in Psalms, says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Grace Hill, take care then how you hear. We're going to put you guys into Zoom breakout groups and I'm going to give you two questions to just respond to today with what you've heard. The first question is, what soil do you believe your heart condition most closely resembles today? That might be a little uncomfortable to share. I encourage you, reflect on that. Be, be, if you're open to sharing that, share that. If you're not, think through that. And the second question is, what do you find to be the most difficult for you when listening to a sermon? The word of God going forth. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. Lord, sometimes your word is, is just really hard to, to take and it says things that are uncomfortable. But yet, God, even in those things, we know that there's life in your very words. And so, God, today, as we, we've just seen you press into us to reflect on the condition of our own heart, Lord, how we respond to you being a way that we can see into where our heart is, Lord. God, I pray for us that that would just be a helpful a helpful check for us today. Lord, we all pray that our hearts would be good, the ones that are receptive to you, that, Lord, we would hear you, God. I beg you to help us be a church that goes after one another to help each other in this with patience and grace and and truth, God. So Lord, let us not have hear ears and not really be able to hear you. But Lord, help us to hear you and then to do what you say. Help us to trust you more, God. We're so thankful for Jesus, his life, his death, and his resurrection. It's his name we pray. Amen.